0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Morning Shot. Today, we have John Steinhaisen with us, the DA federal leader or federal leader of the DA, whichever one works. That's very sort of North Korean titles uh, for political parties these days. We do get confused quite a lot. But John, hello, welcome to the show. And well done on your victory. Overwhelming majority as the continued leader of the DA. Uh, How are you feeling? Everything going to plan? Great. Uh, North Korean
1: majority as well. Thank you very much for the kind wishes. And yeah, obviously... A lot of work went into the campaign, and I'm very glad that it is, it's paid off. And, and uh, 83%, uh, I think that's a margin of victory anyone could be happy with. Yeah,
2: it's fantastic. Now, obviously, that you have an overwhelming majority, equivalent to G. So welcome, the new G of uh, the Western Cape. Uh, obviously, you've announced that you're going to be going into a uh, moonshine pack with uh, all the other coalition parties or partners in South Africa. How do you envisage that all going down?
1: So it's born out of the fact that you know, we can all pretend we're going to do our own thing and hope for the best in 2024. Um, but there's an old saying, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And so I do think it is important for us to at least try to unite the opposition in a way that brings people together on a common set of values and principles that could hopefully try and form some form of electoral pact that would see us working together constructively and maturely to be able to put something together and that we would be able to go to the voters with before the election. Um, it would be not a necessarily a coalition or not necessarily a formation of a new party, but rather a situation where Each of the parties retains their own identities, goes out on the hunt to get their votes in. But that we do let people know beforehand that we have signed a pact around what we would do were we to be able to form a majority government in South Africa. And I think this would eliminate a lot of the uncertainty that people have around coalitions. And also, it would negate the massive high-pressure horse trading that has to happen in the 14-day period provided for in law. To negotiate a coalition, which was virtually unprecedented anywhere else in the world, that you have such a short window period. So we'd go in with a better understanding of what would be have to be done and 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 where we would be focusing. Um, I would have envisaged that each of the parties would say retain their own identity and go on the hunt for as many votes they can get. But there is some symbolism on the posters of the organisations or on the communication of, the, of those that shows that we are working together the hope as well is that what this will do in a in a situation where positive news is very very much on the uh, on the wane in, in South Africa that it would provide some positive hope for voters who have opted out of the system or people are not registered to vote to get registered and vote to avoid the obvious counterpoint to a moonshot pact or whatever you want to call it um, And that would be the EFF and ANC teaming up in what we call
0: a doomsday. So, John, uh, the Moonshot Pact, I sort of understand it. As far as I'm aware, you unite the the opposition coalition, you unite civil society as well behind it. So maybe you get some NGOs to, you know, work with the the pact in general to to get the ANC and the EFF out of power in 2024. But what is the difference between your Moonshot Pact, the proposed Moonshot Pact, And the sort of multi-party coalition agreement that you signed after the local government election, Uh, is there a clear delineation between the two, or is it just a what's already there?
1: Well, I think there's some lessons that have been learned from those um, that will obviously inform us going forward. Um, But there's only one of those agreements that's currently in place, and that's the one in Chuan. And so I think there has been an opportunity now for a reset, and I've said that very clearly at the Congress. Um, I think we've learned some lessons. Um, we've also haven't always behaved in the best way. Uh, but certainly that has been reciprocated by several other players in these coalitions. And I've said it's time for a reset. Let us look at how we can how we can make sure that, that we overcome these egos and that of the past and focus on on building an ecosystem of change in the country where we're putting the interests of the country first and saying to voters, look, we've put aside our differences, we've not always got along very well. We don't agree on all the same policies. But here are the 10 to 15 things that we do agree on that are going to be necessary for South Africa to be able to get off the current trajectory of of unemployment, high debt, low growth, and onto a new, project, a new trajectory of hope and, and prosperity. That's what's, uh, what's going to be required. And I hope that it's going to carry through the lessons we learned from Coalition 1.0 post-2016 but also the lessons we've learned from coalitions 2.0 from the 2021 um, uh, local government elections as well.
2: Yeah, so John, if I understand this correctly, the reason you're doing the negotiations up front from what you're saying is because obviously if you get a, uh, how should we say, a hung parliament when it gets through to next year, so we don't have a party with an overall majority and you're forming a coalition, 14 days isn't enough. So you're basically going to do all the agreements up front on the understanding that, you may be able to get coalition partners together in order to create a majority come 2024. Very admirable. I suppose the the big question I have is, in terms of what will that agreement look like? What exactly is it that everybody's asking for? What kind of cement are you being able to cast now so that that agreement even come
1: 2024 will still hold? Well, obviously it will depend on where the chips finally fall around what that configuration would be post 2024. But what I would like to do is have in place what the program of action is, what the uh, common values and principles are, and what the first steps of such a a coalition government would be to achieve. And I think that was absent from the last two elections. We were basically scrambling after the elections to try and find each other and to iron these things out. And given the pressure cooker of of that shortened time period, given you know the fact that in germany for instance it took almost a year for them to negotiate their latest uh, co-governing coalition that we would have all that ironed out and voters would know going into the election which parties were working together and what they wanted to achieve going forward i, I think it is uh, it, it's not easy and i'm not by any instance saying that this is going to be an easy process it's going to be very very difficult and you know we've got a lot of egos and a lot of uh, sort of people who very sceptical of the DA, particularly among some of the smaller parties. This isn't going to be an easy process, but I think it's a process worth trying, and I think it it is an objective worth striving to try and achieve if we're going to block the doomsday coalition from from coming to pass. But the backstop is always, and I was very clear about this at the Congress, that we will do everything in our power to prevent an ANC-EFF tie-up and prevent the EFF Obtaining keys either
0: through the front door or the back door to the union building. So, John, on that notion of like people being skeptical of the DA, especially other political parties, I think I saw, and I am don't take this as a fact, but I think I saw the UDM and the ACDP being quite skeptical of this screenshot pact. I see Action SA says the DM doesn't think that you must lead the party. The DA has been accused of being arrogant are those things sort of going to change? Now that you have a majority in the DA, now that you've got a firm grasp on the DA as leader, are you going to take all those things into consideration going forward? Uh, How are you going to change the perception of the DA to those people? Like what's the, what's the things happening in the background so far in this regard?
1: Well, let me just start by saying we've made a very broad and generous offer to the other parties to come together to a meeting of leaders for us to discuss precisely these things. How do we work forward? How do we reset the relationship? And how do we find each other in a constructive and mature way outside of the petty politicking and the snapping away on social media? And sit around a table and say, as leaders of political parties, surely the most important thing and job that we could have in the next 15 months is to take some effort to try and find each other. And I'm sorry to say it, and it's not about being a big brother. And I've been very clear, I don't want big brothers and little brothers. We're looking for brothers in arms that are going to link arms and work with us. But the reality is that, and I was quite bemused to see that some of these smaller parties said they were already in talks and Bantu already got a coalition together. The reality is those parties that he's talking to are less than 4% of the vote. There's no show in town that doesn't have the DA as an anchor. And that is the reality. And you can talk about, you know, siblings and all you like and, and behavior, the DA is the anchor tenant, and we, you need a strong anchor tenant to be able to get close to that 50% mark. And the reality is that you know these parties can sit and, and move pieces around a board as much as they like. If the DA is not there, it's an academic exercise. So I think that what we need to do is obviously show that we're not there to consume or, or eat other parties up or steal their voters. We're there to see how we can work together to achieve a common objective, where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And I use the example of KwaZulu-Natal, where the IFP is a political competitor for us, but and we can go into head-to-head battles with them all we like, but we've chosen a different path than KwaZulu-Natal. And the result of that is that by being strategic and being mature and being constructive and having a leader like uh, like the Honorable Shlabisa, who is a very mature, um, constructive person to work with, We've been able to take three seats off the ANC in KwaZulu-Natal, and the the whole of our pact in KwaZulu-Natal is now greater than some of the parts where we're governing in 13 municipalities, and we have a real prospect of removing the ANC from office in KZN. And that's what I'm talking about. It's about that sort of of maturity and political strategy that's been missing from these coalitions in the past and from negotiations in the past. Yeah, so... Uh, I think all
2: of that is very admirable, John, and uh, good luck with all of that. I think the biggest difficulty, and we made this point in a video, is that sometimes you're up against uh, political parties where the personalities appear to have put themselves in opposition with the DA as opposed to the opposition of the ANC. And as you've very rightly pointed out, the number one concern now is removing the EFF from power because the EFF have everything to gain and nothing really to lose. The ANC basically as something to lose because they're already in the driving seat the point you made and I think it was very well made we reiterated it on the video but with that all being said Ramon and I have been discussing this today on a personal conversation and that is when it comes through to the EFF all of the electoral results around the country seems to show the EFF on a electoral decline I don't know if your analysis says something very different but coming towards 2024 are they still going to be the, uh, the dominant force and the, the major political player, possibly even still the third largest party in South Africa? Or will their electoral support decline the and they will just become another small party?
1: Well, look, they, they consistently poll uh, between 9 and 11%. And I think that there is an ingrained support for them. I don't see them growing. And I think major flops like their national shutdown don't really help their cause. And given the fact that the majority of South Africans are law-abiding citizens, they don't like the politics of chaos, fear, and disaster that the EFF drives. But I believe that makes them more dangerous, not more benign. And the reason I say that is that you've got to listen to Julius Malema when he speaks, unfortunately, because you know, he, what he says you know he means. And that goes for some of his public utterances about Boers and, and the like. And it also goes down to when he said he will be president of the country. Now, a party that's 12%, 13% and on the skids, uh, he knows the only way into the union buildings is on the back of another vehicle. And that vehicle he is recognized as the RET grouping within the ANC with whom he wishes to make common cause and with whom he wants to ride into the union buildings. And essentially, I would believe, a reverse takeover of the ANC using the RET faction and his EFF to depose the current president of the ANC and to install someone who's going to work with him and then to ultimately displace that person. So if I was in the ANC and in the so-called um, you know, re- reform wing, whatever that may mean, um, I'd be very worried because... I'd be very worried about seeing the deals the Sufi's making with them, because essentially they're going to end up with a reverse takeover of their own party, and they will be the ones purged in that organization, and Malema and co. will be rampant. So I I believe that that would be a disastrous scenario for South Africa, and we have to avoid it. And that's why I've said the EFF's policies, and the EFF as a political organization, are public enemy number one, because if their policies were ever applied in South Africa, the result would be the same as where it's been applied, they've been applied everywhere else in the world. Uh, Venezuela, misery, hunger, suffering, and the largest human displacement in modern history. Cuba, suffering, hunger, starvation. Uh, Zimbabwe, dispossession, poverty. Those policies don't work, and they sow misery wherever they're applied. And that's why I believe they are the, the, of the public enemy number one in this next election, to avoid those policies come into pass. And people you know, may say, well, you're alarmist. Well, not really. If one looks at how extractive they've been on the ANC from the opposition bench, dragging them down the rabbit holes of expropriation without compensation, nationalization, nationalizing the Reserve Bank, uh, prescribed assets, all of those things. Can you imagine how more extractive they're going to be if the ANC now relies on them for a majority? So that's why it's, when I talk about a doomsday, I'm not as Yanya and Yube and some of these other uh, so-called commentators like to say, fear-mongering. The fear is real, and South Africans should be aware of what awaits them if that doomsday pact ever comes. There will be massive disinvestment. There will be a capital flight from this country, and you will have a government that becomes even more extractive uh, from its citizens than anything we've seen before.
0: So, John, based on that, so we agree with you in the sort of doomsday coalition is, is is shockingly bad for the country overall. If the only solution to that is to go into an alliance with the ANC come 2024, the so-called, assuming there is a reformed, reformist ANC, which I have my doubts about, of course, but if the only way to prevent the doomsday coalition is for the DA and the ANC to sort of join or have a, some sort of agreement to run the country post 2024, are those one of the Consequences one might be looking at as someone in your position?
1: Yeah, uh, look, I mean, the reform wing of the ANC is much like the Loch Ness Monster. It's much spoken about, but very seldom seen. Um, and, you know, but obviously, as I said at the Congress very clearly, that should the Moonshot Pact not achieve the majority, that we will do everything in our power. And that means that all options are open to prevent the EFF getting into the union buildings. It may be, as I said, the least worst option that we need to look at taking. There are a variety of models that one could use, from coalitions of supply to uh, taking legislatures and leaving the executive, but these are options that we would only consider if the moonshot pact was to fail. And I, as you know, am an eternal optimist, and I'm going to certainly do everything I can as the leader of the largest opposition party in the country for the next 15 months. To make sure that Moonshot Pact is brought together, that we get something working, and that we make a compelling offer to South Africans. That's the primary focus. But should that fail, I have to act in the best interest of the people who have put their trust in us to prevent the doomsday from taking place. So that would leave all of those options that you talk about on the table. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, one of the doomsday
2: scenarios is that obviously you don't get your majority, right? And that's actually what we've seen uh, in parts of Gauteng, where you've lost numerous municipalities, mainly due to the, uh, let's call it the disagreements with the Patriotic Alliance. We know that Gates McKenzie and obviously Helen Zilly have been rather vocal on their their feelings of that. Is there any room for the the DA to renegotiate something positive with with the PA?
1: Well, look, for a pack to it, I'd like to get as many non-ANC EFF-aligned forces together um, as possible. And obviously, the, the more people you bring together in a pact, the easier it is to get to that 51% number. Um, it's unfortunate that the uh, PA have hitched themselves to the ANC and the EFF in Johannesburg and now in Echoleni and uh, done so in, in Chwane, which we've just been able to retake. And so it will take a fundamental public commitment from the patriotic glance to repudiate the politics of the ANC and the EFF for us to want to have them in the pact. And they would have to make a very public commitment to sticking by us because what you don't want to do is be sitting in a trench facing an opponent uh, worrying about whether someone in the trench is going to put a bayonet in your back. And it's happened to us in Neisner, it's happened to us in Cederberg, it's happened to us in Johannesburg, and it's happened to us in Ekoleni. So we are very rightly wary, and we will trust, but we must be able to verify. So there's going to have to be a massive, generous show of good faith by the Patriotic Alliance in some way or other to break from the ANC and to, and to send a signal that they are on the, on the good side of this election. And I want to say as well, I think it's political suicide for any party to go into the election with the rotting carcass of the ANC strapped to their back. Um, and I think you're starting to see the fraying of that relationship in Johannesburg and to some degree at Kuleni. Um But as I said, I will do everything in my power to make the moonshot pact get its 51% majority to prevent the doomsday coalition from taking place. And if there's a very big, generous show of good faith, um, we, we, we'd be prepared to speak to anybody who aligns themselves against the ANCFF
0: um, doomsday policies. So John, final question from me. Uh, you're the leader for I don't know how long is your term, sorry, in the DA as leader?
1: Three years. <laughs> um, you know, these things come from every three years and I don't have the luxury of getting my constitution changed to delay these things to after elections. So a democracy is alive and well
0: and living in the DA. <laughs> All right. So now you're three years to, to leave a legacy. What would you want that legacy to be? Like what, what you know, sometimes in the future, people will write a history book on on South Africa right now because it's an interesting time, lots of political change. People want to know what will happen. If someone had to write that book in 50 years, what would would you like them to say about you, like your legacy as a DA leader? Well, I'd like them to to recognize
1: that the DA has been turned around from a a very dark place um, to one where it's now very seldom not spoken about when a post ANC future is spoken about in South Africa. And the point where we really are the only other game in town to the ANC. But secondly, to be somebody who did what they could to prevent the slide towards a socialist Marxist failed state and the ultimate realization of the NDR through the use of the EFF, um, that for me would be the biggest legacy that we we took. We stood at a crossroads where South Africa could go any one of, of a variety of ways and that I was part of shepherding um, voters to the right side of history and rescuing the country from the clutches of the Marxists and socialists who are determined to extract at all costs and leave the people behind.
2: Yeah, so the last uh, question that I have, John, is you said you would welcome anybody who would work towards us. So Ramon is uh, applying for the head of uh, honesty position in the DA. And I'm applying for uh, an MP position of I don't know make one up. I'm sure you can cadre deploy us somehow, and uh, we'll obviously both uh, join the uh, the moonshots
1: uh, pact. Although I do think. the Minister of Potholes. Enough to keep you busy there in South Africa for a few years. <laughs> no, John, I need I need a role that is possible, not
2: a role that is setting me up for failure on day one. That that can't be fixed.
1: We're an open opportunity party and uh, anybody can apply to be an MP and anybody can apply for any of the vacancies in the party. So um, I look forward to both your applications on the desk. Um, Cue cue DA grifters uh, uh, outrage now. Absolutely. And uh, I would highly suggest that you rename the
2: uh, Moonshot Pact to Moonshine Pact. And maybe if you all grab some moonshine, slug it out in a room, I'm sure you'll all come up with positive, and South Africa can only but benefit.
1: Yeah, well, um, I think there's going to be a lot of moonshine required between now and the next election, And so let's, uh, uh,
0: let, let, let's keep that in the back pocket. Indeed, indeed. John, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for explaining what the Moonshot Act is, and uh, you will have our applications very soon. We're not DA shells yet, only when we actually get paid by the DA, which hasn't happened yet.
2: Yeah, John, where's that Where's that paycheck? You keep promising it to us, but hey, it's not turned up yet, eh? It's like an ANC check. It's always in the post. Yeah, exactly. We're like an ANC paycheck. Also always in the post. And the post has been liquidated.